Um, I'll be reading from Luke 6, 27 through 31. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Everybody have a seat. All right, so we're going to um, um, give a background for what I'm going to talk about here in the next little bit. And they, uh, so last week, if you were here, you got to listen to Pablo Sanchez, who is a Chilean minister, preach for the first time in English. And he did a great job. I loved what he had to share. And it's great for us to hear someone that is not a native English speaker speak to us. Uh, and this is, uh, there, I know there's, there's individuals in the church that have supported uh, Pablo and, his mini- and the ministry that God uses him to do in Chile, and the church here has supported uh, his father, Pedro, for many years, and has, what, Don, it's a 30-year relationship, something like that, with that, that crew down there, and so it was really great. And I told Pablo beforehand, as I, I'd never met him face-to-face, and I caught him for a few minutes and, and just said, hey... It's great to have you here. And he said, I'm really nervous. I've never preached in English before. I said, this is, the, this is a great place to, to do that, okay? Because this crew is going to love you for who you are. They have some history with you. And if you make a mistake, and you will, it's just fine, okay? So just relax and just preach the words of God. It's going to be great. And he seemed to appreciate that. And I, afterwards, I didn't tell him this beforehand, but afterwards I told him some of the stories that I have uh, preaching in Italian when I lived there. Uh, If you don't know my family situation, I lived in Italy for a while after I finished college and ended up uh, meeting an Italian young lady, and we've been married for over 20 years now. And uh, during the time that I was there, I got the opportunity to go to language school. I learned street Italian, more specifically street Roman, because that's where I was living. And I got the opportunity to preach and teach. And when I go back there, uh, I I end up preaching and teaching a few different times in the church uh, the little church of Christ that is there on Vialionio Street in Rome. And I have uh, all sorts of stories that I can tell you about grammar errors or different things that I've said that came out when I was speaking and teaching in my second language that I never intended and didn't realize it except that I looked around and everybody's laughing at something that I said. And so Pedro didn't do that. I told him, hey, that's a great success. You didn't, you didn't say a swear word or something like that in English on accident, which happens in Italian, which I won't go into. But, um, and I'm, I've been guilty of it. But anyway, um, just some words just don't sound, you know, anyway. Anyway, we just we miss them in our second language. So uh, I, was, I thought it was just great to have him here. And it's wonderful to hear the message. Uh, the week before he was here, I talked about... Uh, spiritual revival and some of just the the message of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection. That message saves us and it transforms us and it changes us. And I was thinking here the last weeks, and I've I've been pondering and talking with the elders about what uh, what series we'll jump into once we get into September and and people aren't traveling as much um, and we get we, we get uh, uh, finish up the last hurrah of summer here. 
And so I've just been picking things out that I think are very important for us to revisit and to think about. Like, for example, the simple gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus I talked about here a couple weeks ago. And I got to thinking a lot about how I've been praying, and I've shared this with you, just been praying for spiritual renewal among us as families, us as a church, and us as a community, nation. And I've been praying for that for over a year now. And I think there's fruit that is coming from some of those prayers. And I know that some of you have joined in, in praying all of that, uh, praying for, for that uh, for us as well. And I got to thinking about how important it is for us, what are some of the most important things that demonstrate spiritual renewal? And one of them is here from, from uh, Matthew 28. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, Oh, by the way, Josh read this, the right scripture that I gave him to read. Um, this was just the one that was on the bulletin. So, Josh, you read exactly right. You're good. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's, Jesus says, as he is being taken up into heaven. It's like the last minute, oh, by the way, this is what I want you to do until I come back, okay? I want you to go into all the world, all these different people, all these different languages, and I want you to share the message that I shared with you to them so that they become disciples. They become followers of me. And um, you see that happen throughout Scripture is it just goes and it just continues and it, uh, the message of God just expands. And I realized I did not grab the clicker. So, Kyle, when I do this, just go to the next slide. Good, awesome, perfect. Okay, so here's, here's something that I wanted to, for us to, to think about today is and our, ask ourselves this question. Am I one that is taking the message of Jesus to fulfill the Great Commission seriously? And if I'm not, how do I do that? Uh, because I think all of us here would say, yes, I know that I need to share the faith that I have in God. I know that I need to get that message out there and such like that. But I'm just not sure exactly how to do that. And boy, it's terrifying for me to share that. And I feel like the right words never come out. And I feel like there's all sorts of answers to questions that I just don't know. And so how am I supposed to do this? And so hopefully some of the things I'll share today will give you some confidence and some encouragement that this is something that every one of us are tasked with in this life. Now, people respond to God's message in some different ways. Now, there are those times that we look back and uh, we can think about, for example, the, uh, the big revivals that might happen. In Acts chapter 2, uh, shortly after Jesus is raised, there's this gigantic revival. People come into town for Pentecost, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 2. And Peter gets up and speaks, and there's people that are cut to the heart, and there's change, and there's transformation. Like, and and there's, it says here, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I read that, and I think, man, I would love to experience and participate in something like that. Can you imagine the energy? Can you imagine the excitement in these big revivals uh, that, that happened like that in Acts chapter 2? I've shared that at teen camp this year, we had... A revival of sorts. There were four baptisms. There were phenomenal spiritual discussions that were just happening right and left. Uh, we had a great group of team leaders that provided great spiritual insights and influence for the kids that were there. And it just just amazing uh, how, how beautiful of time that was. And, look at, and I look at those times that I've experienced some, some revival and you just think, man, that's amazing. That's phenomenal. It's beautiful to be able to see that and participate in something like that. 
Um, but let me ask you this. How many of you committed your life to Christ and became a Christian at a big revival? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, there's, there's very few hands that are... There's some, but there's very few. Now, that happened. There was a time post-Civil War for a few generations even where revivals in our country happened where someone would put up a, a poster on a tree out in the middle of Tennessee somewhere and say, come to this revival at, at uh, Broken, Cre- Broken Creek. Is that how they say it, right? And people would ride their horses in, and there would be hundreds of people there to hear the message of God, and someone would proclaim the message of God, and there would be 8, 10, 30 baptisms that would happen in times like that. And imagine the energy, imagine the excitement um, when those type of things happen. But the reality is, is that very few of us um, make huge changes or, or become Christians in those revivals because there's something else that happens. There's a phenomenon that happens, and this is something I, see, I think you see the hand of God, is that there is something about the quiet, still voice of God speaking to our souls through someone that is close to us that ends up bringing us to conviction at some point in that commitment to follow Christ. So think about this. A few chapters later in the book of Acts, there's a persecution of Stephen breaks out, and it says those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, these are people that are spreading out all over at this point in time. They're not the, the, the Peter or Paul that's really dynamic that gets in front of great, great groups of people. Most of them would not have been those people. They're people that were tent makers, or they're people that, that were farmers, and they had that role in life. And when they're run out of Jerusalem, they go and they end up somewhere else. And they end up maybe going back to where they came from before because a lot of people at Pentecost, all those different languages, they stayed there in Jerusalem for a while. And maybe they return home after this. And they start, uh, people ask them, hey, where have you been? And their response is, you may not believe me even if I told you. No, try me. Come on, I want to I see what this is all about. Tell me what's going on. Well, I was in Jerusalem for Pentecost, and um, here's what happened. Right before we got there, there was this Jewish teacher that came, and uh, he was uh, he was preaching and uh, he's teaching, and um, I I think he was the Messiah that we've been waiting for. I think he was the one that was supposed to come. No, are you kidding me? How do you know this? I mean, there's this. You remember that Messiah that was down the street here a while back? He thought he was a Messiah, and he was crazy. You know, oh, well. I think, uh, I believe that this guy raised from the dead. And there were a bunch of witnesses that saw this. And if you want, I'll tell you about him. Okay, I'm all ears. I want to hear about this guy raising from the dead. And what happened is the message was shared. And the guy goes home and says, hey, you got to hear about this. There's a story about this guy raising from the dead. we got to talk about this. And uh, And maybe they end up in a place where it's illegal to meet in these groups and talk about Jesus. And some say, hey, I like illegal stuff. I'm all in for that. Let's do this. You know, I'm... And, and what happens is the message of God is shared just through people, through word of mouth like that. And by far, most of the people during this time period that came to Christ came to Christ because someone that they knew shared the message of God with them and it touched their heart at the right moment and they changed their life because of it. And they became a Christian. And so let's, uh, what I want you to think about is, is that it's not just the, the big 
woohoo, you know, stuff that changes people's lives. Oftentimes it's not. It's a still, quiet voice of someone living out their Christian life in their neighborhood. There's a passage that when we were going through the Minor Prophets on Wednesday night this last year that really did touch my heart. This is from Zechariah, the first part of chapter 4, or verse 10. It says, Who dares despise the day of small things? He goes on to talk how God can work through really, really small things in order to do great, great things. There was a quote from a movie here a while back that, it, that I appreciated. It said, and it's talking about this character, believes that it is only great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I have found it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay, simple acts of kindness and love. And that's what happens is when we live out Jesus, on a regular basis, day in, day out, what happens is people see it and it changes them. All right, Kyle, you ready? Good. Thanks, Kyle. There we go. So what makes people open to the message of God? Now, the first five that are here come from a book called Understanding Church Growth, Donald McGavern. He was a missionary that studied a lot of church growth because what was happening a few generations ago is there were churches that were sending missionaries over to to India or various places, and they would be there for 30 years, and there would not be a single convert. And they would come back and say, I have faithfully shared the message of God, but nobody responded. And he scratched his head a bit and said, well, maybe that's the case, but maybe we're over in this valley over here trying to teach sheep, where if we went over the hill, there would have been people that would have been willing to listen and respond. And so he spent his life studying what causes people to respond to the gospel. And a lot of the, the missionaries that go through training now to go overseas study his material. And here are some things that he talked about. What makes Christ's message um, appealing to people? So he talks about displaced people are more receptive to the gospel. And so when people are moved away from their homes, they oftentimes are open to uh, thinking and, and, and considering new possibilities. It's amazing. There's a, well, Kyle Story, for example. He was the minister, Kyle Nohoko. Uh, he has a, a wife from Japan. They, he was a minister in the, at the Livingston Church of Christ for years. They are over in Greece right now as part of a mission because what's happened with, with all the movement and, and wars and such that have happened in the Middle East, it has moved a lot of Muslims out of the Middle East into Europe, trying to find a better life and a place to live. I know the last time that I was... In Italy, I was there on Sunday morning, and there's a guy that came in, and he was from Iran. And he said, I heard about this, and I heard that this is a place where you just teach the simple message of Jesus. Can I hear that? And there were some of the Italians spent some time with him and, and were teaching him because he'd never heard it before. You know, you can't where he comes from. And so there's missionaries that are in these ports, in these areas where Muslims are landing, saying, hey, now that you're displaced... Would you like to hear the message of Jesus and hear what it means to you? Sure, that sounds great to me because I just came from a bad experience over there. I'm, I'm willing to listen. And there's churches that are being planted and hearts that are being changed because of that. Now, we live in a place that people are displaced here for different reasons. They come here oftentimes because they want to, to recreate or, or they want to play. And, and that's, that's fine, except that it can cause us to focus on the creation instead of the creator. But think about this. Whenever there's somebody that is new that moves into your neighborhood, they're more receptive right then than they probably will be later. Because once they develop relationships, once they develop their social network, all that sort of thing, they tend to not be as receptive in showing up 
to church building or listening to uh, to the message of God or something like that. A lot of people church shop when they come to new places. So consider that. Displaced people are more receptive to the gospel. Another one is return travelers. Now, this is why um, I know that with the campus minister that was hired that we're part of supporting here, um, Isaac uh, McNally, one of the things that he and I talked about over coffee here a while back is how important it is that these foreign students that are coming from all over the world that are here at MSU, if some of them become Christians, what happens after they graduate is they typically go home. And what happens is when they go home, they have the opportunity to say, uh, hey, <laughs> i got to share something with you. Um, I've got to share uh, this, the message of God that I, I learned somewhere. And, uh, and there's, they become great, uh, great ministers of God and just sharing, sharing his message. Um, there is, uh, the lights went out in the back too. I'll work off my notes here for a second. You've got yours in front of you. And so, uh, so that, that's return travelers. Uh, sometimes when people come back to their hometown or their home country, everything has changed and it's uncomfortable for them and it's hard. And so they're willing to listen to the message of God then that they wouldn't otherwise. Or conquest. You know, when there's, uh, there's a, a nation or a people that feels like they've been oppressed, uh, military conquest, that causes people to respond and to think. After 9-11, there was a great spiritual revival in this country, especially in military communities for a time. Uh, we see uh, uh, nationalism. That can go either way. That can draw people far away from God or, or draw them near. And there's been times in our country where you've seen both happen, where being a good American meant being a good Christian, or at least on the surface anyway, and we've seen the opposite, and it comes and goes, and it goes back and forth. Uh, you think about uh, freedom from control. I remember, as a young guy, one of uh, the most transformational short-term experiences that I had is when I lived in Italy and I went to Albania, and the communist wall had fallen about a little over, a little less than a decade earlier at that point in time, and. and Spiritual uh, sharing, reading the Bible, all that had been illegal. And Albania had been, had been really oppressed. Some of the, the eastern countries like Poland and Ukraine had been oppressed, and Albania, was, was, there had been a lot of oppression there. And um, I remember when going to that Bible camp, and I've shared this with some of, the, some of you before, but there was uh, uh, about three years before I was there, there had been a sort of civil war. There had been some, some fighting and that, trying to figure out who was going to be in power and you could look around and you could see Satan everywhere. And uh, there was, there was uh, high unemployment. Things were destroyed. Uh, but in the middle of all of that, what was amazing, at this Bible camp, there was all these kids. And I remember there was a little girl that was 14 years old at the time. Whenever I was sitting down, because I was preparing uh, the, the studies for the kids, um, and whenever I'd sit down, oftentimes she'd come up and say, Chris, can I ask you a question? I just got a question for you. Yeah, what does the Bible say about this? What is the Bible? And, and bam, she went. And I remember teaching for three hours straight with a 15-minute break in between the message of God and having those kids complete and total undivided attention the whole time because what they were hearing was illegal for their parents. It was phenomenal. It was new. It was fresh. And when that control leaves those countries, people oftentimes run towards Christ because of what they get to hear. Uh, personal crises in life can really change us. Um, how many of you uh, became a Christian because something happened in your life to cause you to think, well, the way I'm doing things isn't working and I've got to try something different? Okay? Yeah, that, that happens. That happens. Personal crises in life. 
personal revivals, spiritual revivals that happen. Those happen because of these crises happen. Sometimes life changes happen. It's amazing how many people recommit their lives to Christ or become Christians after they have a kid. Because it changes us, doesn't it? When we have a kid, we realize, oh, wait a minute here. I can't just mess around anymore. I've got to think about this because the way I'm living might not work. And I've got to, I've got to get serious about this. And they would... And, and we become Christians during those times, or any number of other things. Scripture says that God has placed eternity on the hearts of mankind. We don't know what's happening in the lives and hearts of the people around us, but we know that God is somehow, some way, calling every person on the face of this earth into his kingdom. And we don't know what's happening. And I've shared the story. One of my favorite stories is uh, we had some neighbors across the street when we lived in Great Falls at one point, that we had no idea what their story was. Young military couple had some, a bunch of these little kids. And we uh, went across the street and met them, and Sylvia and I decided the second time we talk with them, we're going to try to invite them, see if we can find a spiritual opportunity to invite them to church. And we invited them. They said, yeah, that's great. And they showed up Sunday. And they showed up next Sunday. And they just, we didn't know it at the time. Their marriage was on the rocks. They thought they were done. They had been praying for God, please show us some better path than what we've got. And Sylvia and I walked across the street and invited them to come to church. They're like, that's the answer to prayers, we're in. And they're you know, still in touch. And God has done much in their lives to bring them into his kingdom. It's just amazing how well they've done. Now, there's stories like that right and left. If we're looking and if we're paying attention, if we're taking the Great Commission seriously, God puts these people in our path. All right, Kyle. Good job, man. Well done. So who may be open to the message of Christ? Here's something that I have written in my notebook, and I just took a picture of it. And um, if you look, it says there's, there's a circle. In the middle of the circle, it is you. And then a circle beyond that are family members. And then the, beyond that, we have coworkers, we have neighbors, we have acquaintances, people we see at the grocery store, maybe the checker in the grocery store line, and friends. Almost all the people, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll demonstrate this in a different way. For you, when you heard the message of Jesus, did you hear it from someone who was in one of these circles that shared it with you? How many of you can share that? Yeah. Mostly that's where it comes from. Not always, but mostly that's where it comes from. Sometimes people pick up their Bible and, and they're, you know, they, they hear the message of God that way without uh, a personal example. But those tend to be... Uh, not the norm. And so I want you to think about this, and I want you to take some time during the next part of the lesson, and the, the notes that you have in front of you, write down some names of people that are family members, that are neighbors, that are friends, co-workers, acquaintances, people that you know personally, even just their name, but people that you know are not going to be with God. And think about that for a second. Is that God may have placed you in your place in life right now to be the one that would some way, somehow, share the message of God with them. And it shouldn't be too hard to come up with a list of ten names there. And I have a list of names that I have on a regular basis that I continue to pray for, of people that are family members, neighbors, friends, coworkers, acquaintances, that I pray over because they desperately need to hear the message of God, and I might be in the position to be able to do that and share that with them and take that seriously. 
that you, this may be some of the greatest ministry you have is those right now sharing it with people that are, would be on this list. All right, Kyle, go for it. Man, good job, Kyle. Well done. Okay, so how do I share the message of Christ? How, do I, how am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to just read something off, walk up to him and say, God, would, you know, God has a plan for you. How, do, how, do we, how am I supposed to do this? And I think for me that would be awkward, and for you that would be awkward. But what I would encourage you to do is spend some time thinking about what 1 Peter chapter 3 says here. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll go ahead and turn there. 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. Uh, what is shared here is, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you notice what it says? It says, it doesn't say, always be prepared to answer whatever question someone may have so that you uh, know everything. Okay, that's impossible. But always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks of the hope that you have. Why are you a Christian? But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ Jesus may be ashamed of their slander. So here we go. Um, there is, I believe for all of us, something that's important to do is think about this, ponder this, and write something down. What am I going to do and what am I going to say if people ask me, why are you a Christian or why do you do what you do? And people ask me often, sometimes, you know, why, why are you a minister? What brought you into that? And I have an answer that I give, but basically what it boils down to is I came to understand even through some of my own skepticism that Jesus raised from the dead, and because that's the case, I needed to do something about it. And I give my life to that. Your answer can be something like that. Uh, the early church talked a lot about Jesus raising from the dead. Um, it talked a lot about life change. Think about what can you say to someone of why are you a Christian? Not something that's paragraphs long. Just a short answer that would cause someone to say, oh, okay, I can see that. All right. And have that answer ready and be looking for opportunities to be able to share that. Now, there's oftentimes it's important to be able to have some place or some thing to be able to invite people to. I, uh, especially around the times of Easter and Christmas, more people will show up to a church building than they would any other time during those times. And I use the term, and I know that it's not the best term, but it's a term that people understand. Um, would you like to go to church with us? You can come and you can sit by us. Now, I understand the church is the people, but that's a, an, that's a term that people understand. Or would you like to come to worship with us? Or something like that. Or, or terms that those are terms that people understand, that they, they know exactly what I'm asking them. And... Um, I know that there was there's times uh, there was an archery shop in Great Falls years ago when I was I was bow hunting a lot. There's a bunch of these guys out there that uh, they uh, one of them became a Christian. I did the funeral for several of their wives over time, and they I told them one time I said all you guys um, if you guys all show up to church on the same day I will find a way to use a hunting analogy in the lesson. And uh, they shared some swear words and stuff like that. You're never going to get me in the door. You know, those kind of things. But one-on-one, when they got them aside, when I was in the range by myself, one of them would come in oftentimes and just share something, some burden that's on his heart at this moment in time. 
We'd talk about it for a few minutes, and then they'd wander off. But I look for opportunities what can, or ways, a place for you to, to be able to, to come. Sometimes we can have, uh, uh, your, and I'll get to this here in uh, talking about conversion study. I have some studies, and I noticed there, there weren't any back there. I'll make some more copies that I use studying the book of Luke with people so they hear the message of God that way. Sometimes maybe the best thing you can do is if someone's got spiritual questions, say, I don't know the answers to all those things, but let's just sit down. And I'll be willing to, I'd love to do it with you. Let's get together one night a week or whatever. And let's just read the, the book of Matthew together because that's a message of Jesus. And I bet there's an answer in there somewhere that, that can, can lead you a good direction. And when people hear the message of God, just the gospel, that's powerful. In fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that was very likely the preaching. Those gospels were the preaching that was just shared by those men of God when they shared the message with other people around them. Uh, there is, um, so you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have a degree in biblical studies to be able to share the message of God with somebody. You do it with your life and with Scripture. Say, hey, God's done some great things for me. Can I share this with you? First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 12. I want to look at this. It says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Now, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is for us for our lives to match the message that we are sharing. And if it doesn't, that's terribly destructive. I've had a few times, not a lot, but a few times, where I've invited someone that has come to to assembly or come to worship, come to church, and afterwards has said something like, oh man, I know someone that was there and I had a terrible business dealing with them. And it's going to be really hard for me to come back. That is devastating when I hear something like that. It hurts because what it's an indicator is there's probably lack of transformation. And, uh, and, and that's, that's something for... That, those types of things can destroy people's souls and keep them away from God. Like Kelton talked about during the Bible class this morning, our lives, the Pharisees' lives, were such that it kept people from coming to God just because they weren't consistent in their, in their everyday lives. And so one of the, some of the things we can do is, Jesus says, love your neighbors. And that's not, hard. That's not easy. Uh, we'll spend our entire lives figuring out what that looks like and how to do that. But Jesus says, foundational. Love your neighbor as yourself. Want the best for the people around you. And we, when we live that out in our families and with our acquaintances, with our neighbors and that, then uh, really good things happen. Uh, there's, we can uh, remember to, to live out uncomfortable service. Now sometimes, and there's great projects, service projects that are organized for, by people in the church to be able to, to mobilize us all, to be able to go and to do things together for God. And, and those are great. Those are wonderful. I know that when we've had uh, youth rallies, we've had service projects during during, part, uh, during those sometimes. But I believe the greatest way we demonstrate Jesus in service is when we're willing to serve when it's not convenient and it is uncomfortable. And we swallow hard and we bite our tongue and we think, well, this is, means that I'm going to have to change up what I'm doing right now. It means I'm going to have to do something different. I'm going to have to jump and serve someone right now that is really in need. We had an incident that happened. I got to experience this here uh, here recently. 
A few weeks ago, Sylvia and I and Sarah, Luke was sick at the time, floated part of the Madison River, and we're having such a blast that I didn't realize it until several miles later, but we blew past our takeout point where we had parked the truck. And I thought, oh, no. I'm not sure what I'm going to do here. This is very bad. And Sarah said, Dad, you are fired. Fired big time from being the navigator. And so we had this conversation, and I'm trying to think, what are we going to do here? This is, I feel dumb and all that. And then I'm going to have to humble myself and call somebody in that. And so... We ended up call, I called you know, someone that was sick, and they said, I'll come get you, but I'm sick. And I just said, it's okay. So I called Carl, and Carl and Karen were on a walk. And said, here's the deal, Carl. And I think, I, I don't know, you can laugh at me later or whatever, but anyway, this is, do you mind driving and picking us up? And yes, he lived in Three Forks just down the road. Um, and, uh, and he hasn't given me too much grief about it. But Carl said, oh, yeah, I can show up. And I gave him time. And, but I appreciated his spirit as one of our elders saying, yeah, I can, I, Karen, he didn't say this at the time, but Karen and I could have this wonderful night together that's quiet, but I will drop everything to pick you up because you blew it, buddy, and I will do it. And he had a great attitude, and it, I just, that, that's it. Those moments where that service may be uncomfortable, and I embarrass myself, so if you ever get in a canoe kayak with me, just, Chris, now do you, are you sure you know where we're going? You sure you know where we're supposed to get out? And I appreciate that example there. Um, also, suffering well. When we don't get our way, how do we respond? Because that shows a whole lot about who we are. I talk about that with my kids a lot. If we suffer well, and the people around us, like the early church, as they suffered, as their property was confiscated, as they were executed, they said, well, I wasn't going to keep any of it in this life at all, didn't demand their rights and fight for what they thought they belonged to them, but said, blessed be the name of the Lord no matter what happens, and we're able to struggle that way in life and we suffer well, then it's going to really make an impact on the people around us. All right, Kyle. Good job, man. So here it is. Sometimes we ultimately just need to do it. And this is the old Nike, um, Nike ad that has made millions for their company, I'm sure, over the, the years, is we can sit on the couch, we can do this, we can do that, or we can do nothing, but just do it. Put your shoes on and go run in the stadium or do whatever. For us, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission and we're going to answer the question, what on earth am I doing here? Here's some things that are important for us to do. Starting with be who God has called you to be. And as a church, be who God has called us to be. That's where it starts. Because if we're not actively living a transformed life, when we bring people in among us, they are going to spot it like that. I know that uh, something I share with families a lot, and I have been very convicted of myself, is that there's some people in this world that I may be able to fool, but there are some people that I will never fool, and that is my wife and my children, because they know who I really am. Okay, And it starts at home. My kids are like, oh man, here he goes, right? Yeah. It starts at home, being truly genuine in our, our commitment to Christ. It starts with us as a church and being genuinely dedicated to what God truly wants us to be. And take Christ with you. Whatever your job is, whatever your hobbies are, whatever is uh, you spend time at, one of the, the greatest things you can do is turn that into a worship for God as a living sacrifice. I know that um, some of us have... Um, Children that are, are playing sports this fall, 
um, in, in various ways. How many of you kids, how many of you are playing sports this fall? Okay, we've got several of them here. Jordy, Kyle in the back playing sports. Um, now Chloe's a, a cheerleader. And uh, there's, uh, there's ways that we as parents can demonstrate godliness and not demonstrate godliness at the field, right? If I'm there um, um, screaming and hollering at the refs and, and, uh, and, and being uh, the, oh, that coach doesn't have any idea what he's doing or that sort of thing, am I going to demonstrate Christ at all? And I've thought about this a lot. As being a longtime soccer coach, being just a dad now and sitting on the sidelines, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited about my opportunity to just sit on the sidelines and talk with parents and see where the spiritual conversations go. But I better remember that what I do and what I say is going to reflect on Christ immediately because people are watching. And that is going to be a time of worship, a time of sacrifice that I am there on the sidelines uh, watching my kids play. Um, prayerfully plant seeds. Uh, the list that you hopefully came up with of the number of people that are in your life that do not have God. And that's important to note, okay? Is that people who do not have God will be separated from God for eternity. Let's not forget that. And those people are people that are walking spiritually dead around you. Prayerfully consider their souls in your prayers on a regular basis and live with patient urgency. And this is something that I wrestle with. There's some things that we live in tensions in this life. Am I perfect? Yes, I've always been, I've already been made perfect by the blood of Christ. Have I, am I a finished product? Not yet. God's still working on that. So I live in this tension of already but not yet in this life. Here's another tension we live with. A tension, and you see God living with this tension throughout history, of patient urgency. There are times where we can inoculate people from the message of God because we are so persistent and we are so pushy that they ultimately just tune us out and say, I don't want to hear it. Get away from me. I'm tired of it. And we don't want to do that. But on the other hand, we don't want to be patient to a point where we never mention the message of God that provides conviction for people. And so God has called us to live through this life in a place of patient urgency And I'm very patient with the people around me, knowing that I was in a place where they were at some point in time, and I need to be patient and love them right where they're at, but understand that there's a time where Jesus is going to be returning, and all of us are going to answer for whether we decide to follow Jesus or not. And that should build some urgency into our souls all the time. Now, someday every one of us is going to to come in front of the, the throne of God, and I, I hope that when I do, there's a number of people that walk up, and I don't know how it's all going to work, okay, I'm speculating here, but walk up and say, hey, thank you so much for being that example to me or saying something kind to me at this moment because you don't know this, but I became a Christian because I changed later. I, I was watching and you didn't realize it, but your example changed me. Or thank you for being courageous and inviting me to come and participate in church at some point in time. I don't even know what that meant, but I showed up and the people were kind and I saw people there that I know that they demonstrated the God, life of godliness as well. And I didn't even know what it was, but it changed my life and it changed my heart. And thank you so much for being courageous enough to share that with me. Now that's the type of thing that we want to hear when we come face to face with God. And what we don't want to hear is, I gave you the best news in the world and you sat on it. And you allowed your own selfishness or your own sin to distract you 
from the most important thing that I ever gave you to do. So that's something just, hopefully this is encouraging for all of us, is each one of us is in a place you have the opportunity to share the message of Jesus with someone that I will never dream of having the opportunity of doing that. Think about those people on your list and say, today, tomorrow, next days, I'm going to continue to pray for these people and I'm going to see what God does in their lives through my example. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, head to the back. Let's stand and sing together and we'll uh, take the Lord's Supper together here shortly as well. Have a blessed Lord's Day.